the Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Sophie Dollar. Dum, dum, dum. Good evening. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Bible Live. Thank you for joining us each and every evening, those of you who keep this divine appointment. (laughs) It's such an encouragement to know that you are there with me, together making our way through the book of books. I had lunch today with a businessman who was talking about how much he enjoys hearing the Bible on the broadcast and how much he enjoys being a part of the sponsorship, how proud he feels to help put the Bible, the book of books, on the public airways for our community. It is something that we should be really proud of and thankful for. We often call this program God's Talk Show. We're not trying to be arrogant or even particularly witty, although I think it is kind of cool. Uh, But we mean that with all of our hearts. There are a lot of voices crying out to us, politicians, musicians, people with every kind of point of view, people who want to sell us this and that and the other thing. There are some that are righter than others and many that are wronger than others. But whether you are a believer already, you've committed your life to Christ, you've committed your life to God, to serving Him, to honoring Him, to worshiping God, or maybe you're not. Maybe you're still thinking through your own life commitment. There could be no greater source you could go to than this book that talks about God stepping into time and space to speak to humanity, to speak words of encouragement, guidance, instruction, to tell us about himself, and to show us as he deals with real men and women. We'll continue our way through the book of Chronicles tonight. We're picking up at chapter 12. I'll tell you a little bit about that in the reign of King David. But right now, our wisdom and worship segment from the Psalms, Psalm 78, 54 through 72. He brought them to the border of his holy land. To this land of hills he had won for them. He drove out the nations before them. He gave them their inheritance by lot. He settled the tribes of Israel into their homes. Yet though he did all this for them, they continued to test his patience. They rebelled against the Most High and refused to follow his decrees. They turned back and were as faithless as their parents had been. They were as useless as a crooked bow. 
They made God angry by building altars to other gods. They made him jealous with their idols. When God heard them, he was very angry, and he rejected Israel completely. Then he abandoned his dwelling at Shiloh, the tabernacle where he had lived among his people. He allowed the ark of his might to be captured. He surrendered his glory into enemy hands. He gave his people over to be butchered by the sword because he was so angry with his own people, his special possession. Their young men were killed by fire. Their young women died before singing their wedding songs. Their priests were slaughtered, and their widows could not mourn their deaths. Then the Lord rose up as though waking from sleep, like a mighty man aroused from a drunken stupor. He routed his enemies and sent them to eternal shame. But he rejected Joseph's descendants. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. He chose instead the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. There he built his towering sanctuary, as solid and enduring as the earth itself. He chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the ewes and lambs and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people, Israel. He cared for them with a true heart and led them with skillful hands. End of reading, Psalm 78, 54 through 72. It has been so interesting to follow the reading of Psalm 78, which is also a history of the people of Israel and God's dealings with them as we make our way through the Chronicles, a dual past through the time of history. Let me catch you up as to where we are now in the book of Chronicles. We have gotten now into the reign of King David. We have begun the book with a review of the genealogies starting with Adam and Eve, actually, going that far back, walking through the early years of God's dealing with all of humanity, then his choosing of Abraham after the flood. He goes through the genealogies of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, of course, whose name was changed to Israel, one who wrestles with God, deals with God. We should all be Israel in that sense. We all dare to get involved with God, seek God, wrestle with God about our lives, an involvement with him. That's the idea. We follow then the tribes of Israel, the 12 sons of Jacob. Now, these genealogies, remember, are important because the people are returning from the 70 years of exile in Babylon. Jerusalem was destroyed in 586 B.C., the third of three successive invasions by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians. They tore down the wall, destroyed the temple, and thousands and thousands had been taken already into Babylon in exile. Then they were restored after 70 years of exile, measured from 586 to 515. The 515 was the finishing of the rebuilding of the temple there in Jerusalem under Ezra. Now Ezra, this scribe and priest, is traditionally thought to have put together this selected history to remind those who are returning from Babylon, from exile, to remind them of who they are. For example, in in the sense of America, it would be like reviewing the true history of America and reviewing our Constitution. Ezra reviews with these returning exiles the covenant relationship they had with the true and living God. He's reviewing the key history, the history moments that God dealt with and worked with them as a people group and how he has chosen to honor them and to bless them as long as they would worship him and follow him and be a light to the nations and be a witness to the true and living God to the nations around them. 
and then also, of course, use them as a conduit, as a means of bringing into the human race the Redeemer, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, of which, of course, we know now to be Jesus of Nazareth, born some 400 years now after the writing of the book of Chronicles. This is a selected history. We have followed the genealogies. We got into the family of Saul, his reign, his death, the death of Jonathan, his sons. And then we got into the life of David, David having been anointed to be the king of Israel 25 years before he actually took the throne. He became the king of Judah and Benjamin first, and then seven and a half years later, he was crowned king over all the tribes of Israel. This is a selected history. It's not going to involve the big failures. Ezra is emphasizing the positive. He's emphasizing the faith. He's emphasizing the courage and the greatness of King David and the kings that would follow because he's trying to build and encourage the people with that renewed vision of their unique calling. This has such a great application to us as Americans today. We need to review God's great blessings on our nation and the Constitution and what makes us an exceptional people. 1 Chronicles 12, 1 through 15, 29. 1 Chronicles 12. The following men joined David at Ziklag while he was hiding from Saul, son of Kish. They were among the warriors who fought beside David in battle. All of them were expert archers, and they could shoot arrows or sling stones with their left hand as well as their right. They were all relatives of Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. Their leader was Ahiazer, son of Shema'ah from Gibeah. His brother Joash was second in command. These were the other warriors. Jeziel and Pelet, sons of Asmaveth. Barakah and Jehu from Anathoth. Ishmaiah from Gibeon, a famous warrior and leader among the thirty. Jeremiah, Jahaziel, Jehonan, and Josabad from Gedera. Eluzai, Jerimoth, Baaliah, Shemariah, and Shephatiah from Haruth. Elkanah, Ishiah, Azarel, Joazer, and Jashobeam, who were Korahites. Joelah and Zebediah, sons of Jeroram from Gedor. Some brave and experienced warriors from the tribe of Gad also defected to David while he was at the stronghold in the wilderness. They were expert with both shield and spear, as fierce as lions and as swift as deer on the mountains. Ezer was their leader. Obadiah was second. Eliab was third. Mishmanah was fourth. Jeremiah was fifth. Atai was sixth. Eliel was seventh. Jehonan was eighth. Elzabad was ninth. Jeremiah was tenth. Machbanai was eleventh. These warriors from Gad were army commanders. The weakest among them could take on a hundred regular troops, and the strongest could take on a thousand. They crossed the Jordan River during its seasonal flooding at the beginning of the year and drove out all the people living in the lowlands on both the east and west banks. Others from Benjamin and Judah came to David at the stronghold. David went out to meet them and said, If you have come in peace to help me, we are friends. But if you have come to betray me to my enemies when I am innocent, then may the God of our ancestors see and judge you. Then the Spirit came upon Amasai, who later became a leader among the thirty, and he said, We are yours, David. We are on your side, son of Jesse. Peace and prosperity be with you, and success to all who help you. For your God is the one who helps you. So David let them join him, and he made them officers over his troops. Some men from Manasseh defected from the Israelite army and joined David when he went with the Philistines to fight against Saul. But as it turned out, the Philistine leaders refused to let David and his men go with them. After much discussion, they sent them back, for they said, It will cost us our lives if David switches loyalties to Saul and turns against us. Here is a list of the men from Manasseh who defected to David as he was returning to Ziklag. 
Adnah, Josabad, Jediael, Michael, Josabad, Elihu, and Zilathai. Each commanded a thousand troops from the tribe of Manasseh. They helped David chase down bands of raiders, for they were all brave and able warriors who became commanders in his army. Day after day, more men joined David until he had a great army, like the army of God. These are the numbers of armed warriors who joined David at Hebron. They were all eager to see David become king instead of Saul, just as the Lord had promised. From the tribe of Judah there were 6,800 warriors armed with shields and spears. From the tribe of Simeon there were 7,100 warriors. From the tribe of Levi there were 4,600 troops. This included Jehoiada, leader of the family of Aaron, who had 3,700 under his command. This also included Zadok, a young warrior with 22 members of his family who were all officers. From the tribe of Benjamin, Saul's relatives, there were 3,000 warriors. Most of the men from Benjamin had remained loyal to Saul until this time. From the tribe of Ephraim, there were 20,800 warriors, each famous in his own clan. From the half-tribe of Manasseh, west of the Jordan, 18,000 men were sent for the express purpose of helping David become king. From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the temper of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. From the tribe of Zebulun, there were 50,000 skilled warriors. They were fully armed and prepared for battle and completely loyal to David. From the tribe of Naphtali, there were 1,000 officers and 37,000 warriors armed with shields and spears. From the tribe of Dan, there were 28,600 warriors, all prepared for battle. From the tribe of Asher, there were 40,000 trained warriors, all prepared for battle. From the east side of the Jordan River, where the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh lived, there were 120,000 troops, armed with every kind of weapon. All these men came in battle array to Hebron with the single purpose of making David the king of Israel. In fact, all Israel agreed that David should be their king. They feasted and drank with David for three days, for preparations had been made by their relatives for their arrival. And people from as far away as Issachar, Zebulun, and Naphtali brought food on donkeys, camels, mules, and oxen. Vast supplies of flour, fig cakes, raisins, wine, olive oil, cattle, and sheep were brought to the celebration. There was great joy throughout the land of Israel. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. First Chronicles 13 David consulted with all his officials, including the generals and captains of his army. Then he addressed the entire assembly of Israel as follows. If you approve, and if it is the will of the Lord our God, let us send messages to all the Israelites throughout the land, including the priests and Levites in their towns and pasture lands. Let us invite them to come and join us. It is time to bring back the ark of our God, for we neglected it during the reign of Saul. The whole assembly agreed to this, for the people could see it was the right thing to do. So David summoned all the people of Israel from one end of the country to the other to join in bringing the ark of God from Kiriath-Jerim. Then David and all Israel went to Baalah of Judah, also called Kiriath-Jerim, to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord who is enthroned between the cherubim. They transported the ark of God from the house of Abinadab on a new cart, with Uzzah and Ahio guiding it. David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, singing and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals, and trumpets. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nakon, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah put out his hand to steady the ark. Then the Lord's anger blazed out against Uzzah, and he struck him dead because he had laid his hand on the ark. 
So Uzzah died there in the presence of God. David was angry because the Lord's anger had blazed out against Uzzah. He named that place Perez Uzzah, which means outbreak against Uzzah. It is still called that today. David was now afraid of God and asked, How can I ever bring the ark of God back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark into the city of David. He took it instead to the home of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of God remained there with the family of Obed-Edom for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. First Chronicles 14 Now King Hiram of Tyre sent messengers to David, along with stonemasons and carpenters, to build him a palace. Hiram also sent many cedar logs for lumber. And David realized that the Lord had made him king over Israel and had made his kingdom very great for the sake of his people Israel. Then David married more wives in Jerusalem, and they had many sons and daughters. These are the names of David's sons who were born in Jerusalem, Shimeah, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Elpelet, Noga, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphalet. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he and his men marched out to meet them. The Philistines had arrived in the valley of Rephaim and raided it. So David asked God, Should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied, Yes, go ahead. I will give you the victory. So David and his troops went to Baal-perazim and defeated the Philistines there. God has done it, David exclaimed. He used me to burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So that place was named Baal-perazim, which means the Lord who burst through. The Philistines had abandoned their idols there, so David gave orders to burn them up. But after a while, the Philistines returned and raided the valley again. And once again, David asked God what to do. Do not attack them straight on, God replied. Instead, circle around behind them and attack them near the balsam trees. When you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the balsam trees, attack. That will be the signal that God is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistines. So David did what the Lord commanded, and he struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. So David's fame spread everywhere, and the Lord caused all the nations to fear David. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. First Chronicles 15 David now built several buildings for himself in the city of David. He also prepared a place for the Ark of God and set up a special tent there to shelter it. Then he issued these instructions. When we transport the Ark of God this time, no one except the Levites may carry it. The Lord has chosen them to carry the Ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. Then David summoned all the Israelites to Jerusalem to bring the Ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared for it. These are the priests and Levites who were called together. There were 120 from the clan of Kohath with Uriel as their leader. There were 220 from the clan of Merari with Asaiah as their leader. There were 130 from the clan of Gershon with Joel as their leader. There were 200 descendants of Elisaphan with Shemaiah as their leader. There were 80 descendants of Hebron with Eliel as their leader. There were 112 descendants of Uziel with Aminadab as their leader. Then David summoned the priests, Zadok and Abiathar, and these Levite leaders, Uriel, Asaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Aminadab. He said to them, You are the leaders of the Levite families. 
You must purify yourselves and all your fellow Levites, so you can bring the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. Because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time, the anger of the Lord our God burst out against us. We failed to ask God how to move it in the proper way. So the priests and the Levites purified themselves in order to bring the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to Jerusalem. Then the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with its carrying poles, just as the Lord had instructed Moses. David also ordered the Levite leaders to appoint a choir of Levites who were singers and musicians to sing joyful songs to the accompaniment of lyres, harps, and cymbals. So the Levites appointed Haman, son of Joel, Asaph, son of Berechiah, and Ethan, son of Cushaiah, from the clan of Merari, to direct the musicians. The following men were chosen as their assistants. Zechariah, Jaaziel, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Uni, Eliab, Benaiah, Maaseiah, Matathiah, Eliphalehu, Mikneiah, and the gatekeepers Obed-Edom and Jehiel. Haman, Asaph, and Ethan were chosen to sound the bronze cymbals. Zechariah, Aziel, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Uni, Eliab, Maaseiah, and Benaiah were chosen to play the lyres. Mattathiah, Eliphalehu, Mikneiah, Obed-Edom, Jehiel, and Azaziah were chosen to play the harps. Kenaniah, the head Levite, was chosen as the choir leader because of his skill. Berechiah and Elkanah were chosen to guard the ark. Shebaniah, Josaphat, Nethanel, Amasai, Zechariah, Benaiah, and Eliezer, all of whom were priests, were chosen to blow the trumpets as they marched in front of the ark of God. Obed-Edom and Jehiah were chosen to guard the ark. Then David and the leaders of Israel and the generals of the army went to the home of Obed-Edom to bring the ark of the Lord's covenant up to Jerusalem with a great celebration. And because God was clearly helping the Levites as they carried the ark of the Lord's covenant, they sacrificed seven bulls and seven lambs. David was dressed in a robe of fine linen, as were the Levites who carried the ark, the singers, and Kenaniah the song leader. David was also wearing a priestly tunic. So all Israel brought up the ark of the Lord's covenant to Jerusalem with shouts of joy, the blowing of horns and trumpets, the crashing of cymbals, and loud playing on harps and lyres. But as the ark of the Lord's covenant entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David dancing and leaping for joy, she was filled with contempt for him. End of reading, 1 Chronicles 12, 1 through 15, 29. in the morning when I wake up, even before I fill my coffee cup, I said, thank you, thank you. This is the Bible Live. Thou shalt not go away. Goodness, they had a hard time getting that Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, didn't they? <laughs> They forget that little detail that God commanded them that no one is to deal with the Ark of the Covenant except the Levites. Uzzah here, in all innocence it seems like, reaches out to stabilize it. Doesn't mean that Uzzah went to hell. He may have been a very devout, trusting, God-believing person, but a price was paid here for not obeying the Lord, not revering the things of God and the commands of God. Of course, David, he's confused because he didn't realize that God is a holy God and, and demanding. You know, maybe this was just a wake-up call, a message. Now, the second time, of course, they do get it right. 
and they do seem to understand. Now, as we read through the book of the Chronicles, one thing you're going to notice is that we do have a few more details. In some of these different instances, we are given a little bit more detail than we're given, let's say, in the book of the Kings about how things came about. For example, we're told here the number of the tribes and the number of people who left the armies of Saul and came to join with David and his men at the transition from the kingdom of Saul to David. We see some of these details that we don't get in the earlier books of the Kings. My wife and I were just talking about our own children and what we would do to spare our children some of the hard lessons, some of the difficulties. But it just seems like we all have to learn through our own path that in the end, we just simply need to trust and obey the Lord. And then he's even so gracious as to walk through our mistakes with us. And David learned a tough one here. David was confused and angered by the fact he was trying to do this good thing, and all of a sudden somebody got killed. He evidently calmed down, and he learned his lesson the second time around. And that's the good thing about David, right? He learned. I'm going to go back to the remarks I made about Uzzah, who died instantly for touching the ark, but God blessed Obed-Edom's home where the ark was stored. And I said this demonstrated the two-edged aspect of God's character. He's perfectly loving and perfectly just at the same time. Sometimes we want to emphasize one of those over the others. We only want to emphasize his blessings while forgetting that when we sin, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Some other times, though, we concentrate so much on judgment that we miss the experience of God's blessings and goodness. We must not fall into a one-sided view of God. And that's the value of true history is it reminds us of the seriousness of both of those aspects. The Bible Live with See you next Sophie time. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.